Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Candy Lickers? Pleased to meet you. Nice to know me. What you doing? You're listening to another edition of Casio's Cut. I'm your host, of course, Casio, and I'm joined by my, I'm going to call him a friend. I don't know if he'll admit to that, but I think he's an, at least an acquaintance. He's a certified badass rock star, the one and only Mr. Damon Johnson. What's up, buddy? Casio, this has been a long time coming, <laughs> man. <laughs> we tried to go last time you were in town. We had storms rolling through it, all kind of stuff going on. It's always something. If it's not <laughs> tornadoes, it's pandemics. If it's not that, it's it's a it's an Alabama Auburn football game. It's something screwing up to something, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it because you have a rich history of being a rock star from Alabama. So we we're you're one of our own. We're excited about that, and you are getting back out on tour uh performing again which i mean we'll get to the new stuff but as a performer as long as you've been doing this i'm sure the past year and a half uh being grounded as so so it is this has got to be exciting to finally get back out in front of people so exciting we've never been through anything like this and um we played our first proper show here in nashville uh, it's been about six weeks ago now. And Cassio, it was like church, man. Everybody was so oh. happy. The audience was happy. All of us on stage were giddy. The bartenders, the bar backs, the staff, the front office workers, everyone was just in such a great mood. And um, it's, a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible time, man. And, you know, I feel like we're kind of lucky, brother, that we had to have a new record out and it kind of puts us a couple steps further down the path. And so, you know, we just want to play as much as we can, obviously, when it's safe and we want to keep our audience healthy above all else. And uh, but, man, people are uh, people seem to be excited. (laughs) I've started creeping out to a few and it's still I'm sure you experienced there's it's that weird. Some people are still kind of standoffish. Some people still got a mask on. And I, the fun part is at almost every show I've been to, by the end of it, 
it's a it's like an old school rock show. Everybody's yeah. up at the stage, everybody's shoulder to shoulder and having the time of their lives. You know what I mean? Well, and it's just you can tell we're all hungry for it again. Man, I've only I just thought of this for the first time, really, with something you just said, but I'm a I'm a fan of Starbucks. I've been a supporter okay. of Starbucks from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> brother, brother Kane made our third album in Seattle in 1997. Okay. And Starbucks had only been around for a little while. So you, you know, I was, I felt like we got in on the front end of that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have lived by making mobile orders on my phone to Starbucks during the pandemic, you know, where you just order in advance, you walk in wearing a mask, you grab your stuff, you're straight out the door. They, they yeah. have a great system. So I noticed, you know, what, a couple months ago, after the vaccine started rolling out, mm-hmm. Starbucks had a sign on the door that said, masks are optional if you've been vaccinated. And I thought, all right, well, Starbucks knows what they're <laughs> talking about, man. So this is positive. This is a move in the right That's direction. That's the right direction, yeah. So, bro, last week I went to Starbucks. I made that mobile order and I walked in the doorman and they had a giant sign on the front that said, you know, in, in store dining now open. Oh. And it was just, I feel, I feel the same way about going to a show. It's like, yeah, I can, I can call one of my guys. Hey man, meet me at Starbucks. Let's have a coffee and catch up. <laughs> You're the first guy to ever compare a rock show to Starbucks lobby. <laughs> That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I like it. And I felt it. I got it. No, dude, you know I mean it. I mean every word of it. I love you just, it. Love we're just all looking for signs, man, in a positive direction. Well, that, yeah, we definitely are, you know, and, and uh, I think even still, man, there's still a little bit of uncertainty when you go in a restaurant. And look, there's a lot we don't know. And yeah, everybody's at different levels, man. Yeah, and we'll see how things are looking in two or three months. I will tell you this, man. I meant to mention this to Jimbo when I spoke to him on the phone the other day, but uh, – Damon Johnson and the Get Ready are going to be direct support to our friends in Buck Cherry in the United Kingdom in November. Yeah, man, we're doing like a three-week tour with them. And, you know, fingers and toes crossed that, you know, things continue to improve over there like they have here. But if if you're going overseas, that's a really good time. Well, that's that's kind of my point, though. If the tour was next week, we wouldn't be able to go because right. they're not they're not ready over there yet. But hopefully by November, man, you know things will be great. And uh, so, yeah, it's, everything's different in different places, and it's all yet to be seen. But uh, we're just overjoyed to be playing some shows. Well, let's. Uh, you mentioned Brother Kane, so let's kind of go back and then get to where we are now. Uh, with all my guests, I got I kind of set up with people where they might know you from. Uh, maybe they recognize names. Maybe people know band names rather than regular names sometimes. So let's go back. Uh, you are Alabama boy or Geraldine, the huge metropolis of Geraldine. Uh, how are you not mayor of Geraldine by now? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Man, but <laughs> I tell you what, I, you know, I was only in Geraldine proper for about four years, th- three years, three years of high school. Cause I moved there from a small town in South Alabama. Um, 
I don't know if you're familiar, Cassio, with a, a town called Monroeville, Monroeville, Alabama. I've heard of, of it. It's kind of down in the southwest part of the state, sort of halfway between Montgomery and Mobile over in that area. And that's where I went to grade school, junior high, uh, but moved to Geraldine, which is where my mom is from. So I went to high school there. I went to junior college at Sneed State. Come on now. In Boaz. Yeah, man. I went there for two, two and a half years, man. I got an associate's degree and I was getting ready to transfer to Auburn to start my third year of engineering classes. And I got an offer to join a house band down the street in Gunnersville. And that was a really big uh, stepping stone for me uh, because that was a, you know, all those guys that were from the area, but they'd all been playing professionally longer than me. So I learned a lot from them. Then I got a crazy opportunity to move to Birmingham and join a band called Split the Dark. Great band. You know about Split the Dark? Yeah, man. Okay, right up. See, dude, I have it in my I have it in my head, Cassio, that you're like 27 right now. You know, so well, you got me as Cassio kid. I'm right. Cassio man now. Come on, give me credit. <laughs> All right. I uh, like so it. Split, no, split the dark though. Uh this is uh a former uh these are members of Hotel, right? Very good. Yeah. Which is a fantastic band, of course, with our, our dear friend Mark Phillips, uh, who unfortunately just passed, but one of the greatest guys you could ever meet in your entire life. But yeah, man. So you joined Split the Dark, and that was a huge – I mean, they were the, the thing in Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, Split the Dark was um, – you know, they'd had songs on the radio with Hotel. They had just cut an EP as a band themselves. They had toured with Hall & Oates and the Little River Band. They had regional profile. They had just won the basement tapes Come on, on M MTV, man, the very first – the very first year MTV had that basement tapes things, which was obviously unsigned bands submitting videos. So um, is that eighties, mid eighties? Yeah. I mean, that would have been 1987 that I okay. joined split the dark. So man, I couldn't have been happy if David Bowie had to call me and offered me a job. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was so, I was so Who thrilled. called you. How, how do you get in there? Well, Mark Phillips came to see, uh, the previous band I mentioned, Headline. Headline was the name of that band. And we played in Birmingham on a no-cover night, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. He came in on a Tuesday, saw us play, saw me play, came up and introduced himself. Of course, I knew who he was. We all knew who he was. Mm -hmm. um, and then he came back the next night and he brought his manager. And wow. I, I was kind of aloof to everything, but, you know, my – my buddy, Gene Pledger, who was the drummer in Headline, he goes, I knew exactly what was happening, man. They were they were coming to cherry pick you right out of our <laughs> So oh, Your band's going, wait a minute. You're going, oh, what's happening? Huh? <laughs> I was totally aloof. But um, it was a big, it was a life change, really, bro. Because my uh, my young family, my wife and I had, a, had just had a, our first child and so we moved to Birmingham and, and I met so many great musicians, so many great places to play. Uh, that manager that I mentioned uh, was Conrad Rayfield. And Conrad is one of my dear friends to this day. Conrad later is the person I came to in 1990 after I did a couple of other things after Split the Dark. I went to Conrad and I said, hey, man, I'm ready to do my own thing. I'd love to find a singer, start a band. I got some songs. I've been working hard. And he said, let's go. Well, yeah. What do you want to do? Let's go. Because I think you got the goods. And 
let's let's figure this out see what we can accomplish so nothing would have happened without conrad nothing there would be no brother kane which i started putting together over the course of the next 18 months there was some member changes and name changes and all that but yeah man that all of that led to brother kane recording our first album in 1992 at the record plant in los angeles uh the talented Jim Mitchell produced that record. He had just engineered the last two Guns N' Roses records, Come which on. we were, yeah, we were big fans of. And I met a really important teacher uh, and role model in Marty Fredrickson. Marty and I, we co-wrote all those songs together, Casio. Got No Shame, Hard Act to Follow, Fool Shine On. When you're putting that together, I mean, I know you, I know you know it's going to be successful. Just the mind of a musician. I mean, the... I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's weird being a comedian. You never know until you perform it. But is it the same with music? Do you go, man, these are really damn good songs. I knew they were good. And what I knew more than anything else was that I liked them, that I okay. really thought they were cool. You were at peace with them. I was, man. And listen, that was a really pivotal moment because that was right between all the hair bands yeah. from the 80s and then the grunge bands. We were right in the middle of that. So... I was already very opinionated about what I thought was cool and what wasn't, you know, guns and roses and the black crows were very cool. Not much else from the eighties did I think was very cool. And then, you know, Nirvana dropped nevermind and changed the world. And so right. um, I just knew I really liked the songs that we were coming up with you have no idea what's going to happen I, you know i didn't i never just knew we'd get a record deal i didn't know we'd have a hit on the radio i didn't know we'd get a phone call from aerosmith's manager saying hey we, would the guys want to do some dates with us fuck yes thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> we would love to so it's uh yeah man those were that was an amazing time. And just everything was moving at warp speed. I mean, uh, you know, in the blink of an eye, man, six, seven years had passed and we'd kind of run out of gas, but we had such a good run and I learned so much and I love all those guys. You know, we keep in touch to this day. I mean, you were, um, got no shame hits. And then of course, full shine on is, is immediately afterwards. And it's, you're getting in soundtracks. And like you said, now you're, now you're, you know, everybody that's following you is going, man, they're Aerosmith and uh, Van Halen. And, uh, you know, you guys did all the, the huge names that came before you. Are you I mean, do you look back on it now? Is it the same thing where you go, man, I, I was. Did you appreciate it at the time or was it like you said, it was kind of a whirlwind of going, Jesus is all happening. fast." Yeah, I appreciated it at the time. I did appreciate it. And we had a lot of great people around us had a good uh, radio promo staff at Virgin Records. They were great. Some of the other departments at Virgin, they didn't really know what to make of us. You know, Virgin Records was kind of a boutique label, Casio. Uh, they were, they had a New York. Very early. Yeah, they had a New York office, an LA office. And man, they had all the hip acts like Lenny Kravitz, Smashing Pumpkins, Janet Jackson. They had just signed the Rolling Stones and David Bowie. You know, man, we're just a, we're blue jeans and t-shirt wearing dudes <laughs> from fucking Geraldine, Alabama. So, <laughs> you know, maybe I would have thought about our image a little bit more. I don't know, man, but if I could go back and change anything, I, I would have, 
I would have been a little more focused on the, the task at hand. You know, man, we got on the road and we just toured relentlessly. And you got all that free time, you get bored and you make decisions to do stuff that's probably not in the best interest of your health. It's not in the best interest of your marriage. None of that. But, you know. You're being a rock and roll star. You're I mean, being that's a rock why, and roll star. That's why you get into rock and roll. And then you, well, you, you get older and realize, yeah. hey, we could have done that a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, man, you get into it because everything about it is a turn on. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're on the road opening for Aerosmith and we're getting so much attention from everyone by then the label, the radio stations, the press, the girls. I mean, dude, I, you know, I've, I was obsessed with girls my whole life, but I was really shy, man. When you're on the road opening for Steven Tyler, you don't even have to open your mouth, dude. They just come walking up. Like, What's up? I saw your calling card for your whole set. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was, uh, those were heady times, man. I was not, I didn't possess the skills to how know old how to, were you? I was in my twenties, you know, in my yeah. late twenties, really. I was, I was like 27, 28, you know, headed towards 30. And, um, I just wish I had have written, I wish I'd have been more disciplined about writing more songs, Cassio, in all seriousness. Um, I think if we don't, if we'd have found some way to keep our sanity and stay together as a band and not let all the distractions kind of pull us apart. And more importantly, it just wore us out. There were a lot of changes at radio. There were changes at the record label. Things are out of, out of our control. The things that we could have control was our work ethic, our focus and us being unified as a, as a group, like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. And if any of the guys had said, hey, man, I'm, I'm exhausted. I, you know, I'm just ready to go do something else. Then great. But w- maybe we could have kept the band together. Maybe, you know, maybe a member change or two, but keep playing. How many of those bands from that era, Casio, are still out there right now doing great business? And it's not all the original guys, but they've got that name recognition. You know, my buddy Kevin Martin in Candlebox, he's the only original Amazing. guy. But they do huge business, man. He found a way to keep it together. I really respect that. I'm not saying that's what I should have done, but it right. could have it could have happened. So who who knows, man? Uh, I mean that happens. You, I mean, I, I think that's that's the problem with a lot of bands. Is you you see success, like you said, born we're young. We've never handled this before. We could have handled it better. But you're also that's why you get into it. We're in our twenties, and we're. I mean. It's, you know, it's the fame or whatever. That's why you're doing it to begin with. I know it's the love of the game eventually, but uh, that happens. You know, you go, what happened to that band? Their first album or second album was amazing. And then, like you said, we don't, being in radio, of course, now, you, there's so many politics to getting your song on and who's playing your song and can you play it more? And and like you said, now we got band members and now we got labels telling you to, oh, we, can, we want to bring in songwriters. We want to bring our own producer, like, there's so many moving parts that have to hit for a band to be successful. There really are, buddy. And, you know, you'll find this interesting, I, I believe, that on paper and by appearance, Brother Kane was very successful. We got tons of radio airplay. 
Uh, we were doing all these big tours. We were getting lots of attention. But one thing we weren't really doing, Cassio, was selling tickets. You know, mm -hmm. we could sell out, you know, we could sell out Vapors in Huntsville. Right. We, could we could sell out the Music Hall in Birmingham. Uh, we could do well in Dallas, good in Peoria. But, you know, Chicago, maybe a few other places, man, that was about it. We, we, we were always kind of chasing radio airplay. Like, oh, they're playing the song in Tampa. We got to go down there and do a show, a free show for the station. Yeah. And if I could roll that clock back, Barry, the minute we put Got No Shame out in 1993, I know this for a fact. We should have drawn about a 300-mile radius around Birmingham and live there. I mean, play twice a year, three times a year. Atlanta, Chattanooga, Mobile, Jackson, Little Rock, Memphis, maybe Louisville, Indianapolis, no further north than that. Right. And, if pe and if people in those other places wanted us, great. We'll It'll come happen. and see. It'll happen down the road. But we could, if at the very least, we could run a business in, in that area, man. You know, Sister Hazel has done that to perfection. Driving and crying has done that to perfection. Um, you know, it's escaping me right now. There, there's, there's definitely other, other bands, right. you know, from our region. Better than Ezra, they, they've done it. Um, again, man, we, we were just trying to keep up, man. I was just trying to keep my voice healthy and remember to brush my teeth. It was, it was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh... You go three records with Brother Kane, like you said, you're worn down. You, you guys, when you guys are calling it quits, is it just a natural stopping point with the, the contract is over? And like you said, we're all kind of ground down a little bit. There's no fighting. Is there fighting? No, there wasn't fighting within the band. We were I'm just sure you have arguments, but it wasn't like a, we hate each other. We're never going to. No, no, no. Listen, man, everyone's lives had changed, you know, sadly by 99 in 2000, man, everyone's marriage was just on life support. Right. All of us. And as, a, as I speak right now, man, none of us are in the same marriages now that we were then. It was just, it was a real trying time for everybody. And, you know, people were having kids and they had, you know, they had to get work, you know, stay busy, make a, yeah. make a living doing something. And it was almost easier sometimes to just like throw a bar band together and go back to playing cover tunes. And you could book that easier than you could do a run of brother Kane dates without, right. without the infrastructure of a management team, an agent, the label, it's a lot. And I just remember definitely feeling a sense of relief Cassio when we did call it a day and just simplify, man, just strip everything back down and be like, okay, what next? Now, now what am I going to do? Um, I kept were you, writing. Were you already looking or, or did you go, let me take a, let me just chill out for a second. It was a little bit of let's just chill out for a second. Uh, my first marriage was ending. Uh, shortly after that, I met Linda, who's my wife now. That was really positive energy for me. And so it just gave me a chance to kind of, spend that time with her, see if I felt like it was the right thing for me, right thing for my kids. You know, I had three kids at that point. I, I couldn't just make decisions based strictly on what I wanted. I had other right. people to, to keep in mind. So 
Um, I feel like I was really lucky, buddy, that I met Linda. I kept writing. I did take, I did put a little bar band together that was awesome and a lot of fun. And then I started producing a couple of bands, you know, that came to me like, hey, man, would you help us with our record? And that was fun. And then out of the blue one day, I got a phone call from my buddy Buck Johnson, uh, who was playing keyboards for John Waite. And uh, he said John needed a guitar player. And uh, You'll love this story. He called me. I had just moved into my apartment in Birmingham. Um, you know, Linda had just moved to town from Detroit. And I'm vacuuming the floor, the carpet in this apartment. <laughs> and Buck Johnson calls me. I haven't talked to him in years. And he goes, hey, buddy, what are you doing? I said, I'm vacuuming the floor. He goes, no, I mean, what are you doing, like, with your music and the, your career? I said, I'm vacuuming the floor. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Let me get he, these crumbs up, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So he said, hey, man, I'm playing with John Waite. Uh, his guitar player just got a great offer to go play with Rod Stewart. He's doing a tour with Journey and Peter Frampton. We need a guitar player. And I told him, I know of this guy. If he's available, he'd be the right guy. I said, brother, God bless you. Yes. Let me, uh, you know, what do I need to do? He said, I'm going to have John call you. So you love this story too, Cassio. John Waite calls me. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. In that proper British accent, you know, Damon, uh, you know, if, have you got some, can you send me something to listen to, you know, some music? And I said, well, yeah, I was, you know, I was in this band, Brother Kane. We made three records and on Virgin and I can send you that. He goes, yeah, here's my address. And uh, good talking with you. Speak to you later. Cassio, I hang up the phone. I walk across the hall to this little broom closet where I have some CDs and boxes. I take out debut brother came the seeds album the whisper album the three cds i go get in my car i drive straight to fedex i drop them in the envelope i write a little note i pay extra for um, the next morning next yeah. morning delivery you know john wait santa monica california and i go back to the apartment so the very next afternoon the phone rings and it's john wait <laughs> and he goes well, hey, Damon, I just called, just called to tell you, mate, you've got the job. And, he, and I said, oh, man, fantastic. I said, did you listen to the CDs? He goes, um, no, I was just impressed that you sent them, you know, within 24 hours. <laughs> just initiative got you the gig. Hard work, kids. Be on time. Be punctual. Don't mess around. Serious business. Always. Pay for man. overnight. <laughs> Pay, Pay for, for next day delivery. Pay for next day. Always. Always. All right. So I was going to bring up Wait. You jumped in him. I want to go back briefly because I, I, just in case you have a funny story, I know you also uh, wrote and did some stuff with Sammy Hagar. Um, yeah. Uh, how, one, how, how are you getting his world? Because he's got an awesome world. And I felt like, Anybody that's in his world is is a great musician. I mean, he's never had anybody where you go, who's this guy? And then you hear him play, and you're like, geez. Yeah. So how, how do you yeah. get hooked up with him? And he's got to be one of the greatest guys to even interact with. 
he's he's at, he's hands down the single most soulful person I've met in this business. Uh, he's a role model, and uh, I'm really grateful for our friendship. But uh, you remember Brother Kane did some dates with Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, 1995. Sammy was a huge fan of Fools Shine On. He loved that song. Killer. He would walk. He'd walk up and down the hallway at the venue, you know, singing it. And we we spent some time, got to know each other a little bit. Well, I know. Wait, let me ask you something. I know you're trying not to fan geek out, but it's got to be weird hearing Sammy Hagar walk down the hall singing Fools Shine On. Oh, I'd be like, girl. Of course, man. No. And he would sing it at the top of his lungs, you know. Hey, oh. what's up, brother? He would literally say, hey, what's up, brother Kane? And full shine on, you know. And, and people are turning around like, what the fuck is wrong with Sammy? Uh, but, um, you know. Just a great dude. Just a great dude. Genuine. 19, yeah. And so, like, a few months after the tour ended on a Monday morning, Kurt Loder comes on MTV news. Sammy Hagar has parted ways with Van Halen. There's been a big fight and it talked about the soundtrack that the band wanted to record a song for. And Sammy just had a new baby and it was ugly. And I was just, I remember being really surprised like, wow, man. Cause I didn't see that. Cause coming. you didn't see anything. No, no, no. Dude. Two days later, phone rings. Is Sammy Hagar. Hey, Damon, fuck those guys. I'm going to put out a new record right now. He, he was pissed, man. He was furious. And he goes, would you have any interest in coming out here and writing a couple of songs with me? I said, yes, sir. I, I would be thrilled. I would be honored. Uh, hell yeah. So, man, I had within a week, I had a plane ticket. I flew straight to San Francisco. If you said you overnighted yourself, I was going to be pumped. No, I didn't overnight it. <laughs> you like this, Cassio. He picked me up at the airport himself. In, Where's he at? This was in San Francisco. Okay. So he picks me up in the candy apple red, I can't drive 55 Ferrari. No. And proceeded to scare the living shit out of me, dude. <laughs> when he, he stepped on the gas to jump out in front of traffic. I was just like, what? <laughs> Yeah, stayed at his house. Let his lovely wife Kari. They just had their baby. Um, we wrote a couple songs that afternoon. I had a book, ironically, about you know Pentecostal uh, sand mountain churches that used to have snake do snake, snake handling. Cameras, yeah, yeah. I had a book someone had just given me. And he picked that book up off the dresser and he goes, what is this? And I told him, and dude, for me to watch his face make the connection between these snakes and his anger at the Van Halen brothers. And he goes, oh, yeah, we're writing a song about that right now. So <laughs> I, I had I had this guitar riff that he loved. And. Dude, in 15 minutes, we wrote a song and he changed it from Sand Mountain to Sand Hill. So our song is called Salvation on Sand Hill. Oh. And, you know, if you pull it up on your Spotify or whatever and listen to the lyric, now that you know. I can't he's, wait. He's, I can't singing, wait. he's singing about, you know, the brothers. He was just furious at them. So then 
a couple weeks later, man, he flew me back out and he wanted me to go in the studio and play guitar on, on the song. And, uh, and the band was Montrose. It was, come on. Di- it was, uh, it was Denny Carmasi on the drums, Bill Church on the bass, Sammy on vocals, me on guitar. Come on, dude. A kid from DeKalb County, Alabama. Just stop. What are we doing? What are we doing, man? How does that happen? <laughs> what are we doing? How does that happen? Now, I meet you. Uh, I was with the morning show, Rick and Bubba. As, as some people know that listen to the podcast or whatever. Uh, we've had some of the guys on. Um, I meet you. It was late 90s. Um, it was probably around the Sammy time. And uh, I remember... I remember you talking about two things you had written, uh, either written for with Faith Hill and you also had Stevie Nicks on deck. Yeah. So what that was, I played guitar on a Faith Hill track that my, that my friend Marty produced and it was just a fluke, man. I happened to be in Los Angeles Marty was working on the song and he said, Hey man, did you bring a guitar? And I said, yeah, he goes, come over as soon as possible. And he already had the track. He had faith like a scratch vocal on it. And uh, all these amazing musicians had already put the track together. So, man, I laid all these guitars down and uh, that was a thrill. All thanks to Marty. The Stevie Nicks thing happened because, uh, you know, right after brother Kane had split, I told you I continued to write. So in this group of songs that I was writing with my friend, John Shanks, John's manager also managed Stevie. And he heard that Stevie was looking for one or two more songs to finish her album. John, this is that uh, next day delivery uh, commitment. Man, that guy put together a CD of like 20 songs that he had had a part in writing and sent it straight to the manager Manager plays it for Stevie. One song on there that Stevie falls in love with is the song John and I wrote together. Dude, and that come was, on. Again, Geraldine to Stevie Nicks? What's happening? Yeah, man. Well, the thing that makes that special, bro, is Stevie Nicks is arguably one of the greatest songwriters of the classic rock era, you know? Yeah. I mean, you think about the success of those Fleetwood Mac songs that she wrote. Uh, astronomical man I'm t- we're talking like on level with the eagles or something so you know for her to really uh, take a liking to you know a vocal melody and a lyric that I had something to do with creating is so humbling and definitely one of the highlights of my career um, you I know you did a bunch of things as well in the, in the meantime um, but we also now are going to talk about now you're jumping in with Alice Cooper. This yeah. Is, this is about at the right timeline, right? Perfect timeline. Yeah. Cause I played, you know, uh, Linda and I married in 2002. I was playing with John Waite. And then in 2004, my friend, Eric Dover, did you ever meet Eric? You know, Eric I've heard from, of him, but I've never met him. Yeah. Well, so Eric is from Jasper, Alabama. Eric came up in that Birmingham music scene. Same as me during, you know, between 87. What was he, Jellyfish? Yeah. Eric, Eric, uh, he joined Jellyfish and. Um, He's played with a he, bunch of people. He's very, very, yeah, very he done, talented. 
yeah, he had done some other things. He played, he sang on Slash's first solo. Oh, record. that's it. Yes. Slashy Snick Pit. So, summer of 2004, Eric calls me out of the blue. And he was a little buzzed. I remember, you know, because he was, he was slurring his words a little bit. He said, Listen to me, man. He goes, I'm ready to move on. I've been playing with Alice Cooper and he's awesome, but I'm ready to go do my own thing. You're the guy. I'm telling you, I'm going to get you an audition with Alice Cooper. And I said, bro, you're so awesome. I love you. And I hung up the phone and I swear to God, I didn't think anything else about it. I just thought. There's a buddy calling you. He's just being a bro, you know, because <laughs> Eric, Eric is awesome like that. Yeah. And sure enough, man, two weeks later, uh, the tour manager calls me. Toby Mamis. Damon. We got your number from Eric Dover. Uh, we got a guitar slot open. We're going to have auditions on Thursday, August the 26th. And I said, thank you for calling. I'd love to audition. Is there any way I can do the audition on a different day? He said, no, that's the only day we're going to have the auditions and they're going to be out here in Los Angeles. Um, he said, what's the problem? I says, well, my wife and I are having our first child together on Tuesday, the 24th. <laughs> and <laughs> so he said, man, I, I don't know what to tell you, but we're in the middle of, you know, we got tour dates coming up and we got to, you know, we got to make a move, you know, hope you can make it click. You know, that was it. <laughs> You're right. So I talked to Linda. Linda's like, we have to do this. So Gabriel is born on a Tuesday. I'm sitting in a chair. He's in his crib. Linda's in the bed recovering post, you know, delivery. And I'm in a chair with my Sony Walkman and headphones and my Les Paul learning Alice Cooper songs at the hospital. Two days later, I leave. I leave them. Sorry, man, I lost you for a second. I leave them, I leave them in the hands of my mom and my mother-in-law. I get on a plane. I fly straight to L.A., taxi picks me up, takes me over to the rehearsal place where they're auditioning. And I get out of the car, Casio. I'm literally dressed just like this, a black T-shirt, jeans, Chuck Taylors, my Les Paul. I get out of the, uniform. I, yeah, I get out of the car, bro. And there's five other guys that are there for the audition. And they all look like they're going to a Motley Crue video shoot. Like they're in the band, you know? Hair's big. We got the guy liner. We're ready to go. Everything, dude. The chains Leather. and the, yeah, the mesh and the. Yeah. And I, I was like, well, shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I am clearly not going to get this game. Did you know any of them? Did you know any of them? I, I didn't know any of those guys. They were all L.A. guys you know, okay. I, I wasn't familiar with. <laughs> Long story short, man, Coop, Alice was not there. He was filming a TV commercial, but his band was there and they had vid two video cameras set up. So they were videotaping the auditions. And Eric Singer was playing drums. Okay. I, they let me be the last person to audition because I had to fly across country and I just had a baby. Yeah, all good. And we played the first song we had. I learned five songs. We played the first song and it was, it was, I'm 18. 
And when the song was over, Eric jumps straight up off of his drum stool and he throws his sticks on the floor. He goes, that's the guy right there. That's the guy. He's the only dude in here today that's listened to the drums, that he plays in the pocket. He sings great background vocals. This has been a waste of time. We should have had him come first. Damn. <laughs> and two of the other guys in the band, in the Alice Cooper band, are looking at Eric like they wish he wouldn't say that because they had brought their friends in. Oh, to everybody's audition. got a guy. They got a guy, and they're lobbying to get their guy oh. into the band. So, man, <laughs> massive credit and gratitude to Eric Singer, man. He he sealed the deal. But you didn't and know course, Eric before that, right? No, I didn't know Eric, but, you know, we played. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome, man. So we played the rest of the songs, and uh, it was really special. It went down great. And got a phone call from Alice Cooper the following week. He said, hey, man, I watched the video. You you look like you've done this before. The gig is yours. And the rest is history. Uh, how, is history. how did you play golf going in? A little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I had, yeah, man, I had picked up golf about five years, six years prior as a more healthy way to spend time on the road. <laughs> talking about that free time again. Uh, talking day. about that free time again. And uh, yeah, he famously, we were about <laughs> to hang up the phone and right before we hung up, I said, oh, Alice, one last question. Could I bring my golf clubs? And he was like, what? You golf? And I was like, well, I'm not very good, you know, but, you know, we're going to be on the road for eight weeks. I figured, you know, we could play a couple times a month. And he starts belly laughing. He goes, couple times a month. He goes, Damon, we play every day. You just won the lottery. What would happen if you didn't? You would have been screwed. Oh, no, 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 no. No, none of the other guys really played. They, okay. played, a, they played a little bit, but none of them got serious until I showed up. Because, dude. I had one bag that had all my rock and roll stage clothes and another bag that had my golf shit in it. <laughs> and they're, they're like, oh, yeah, man, Alice goes every day. And I said, well, great. I'll be going with him. And you could tell they were like, wow, this guy's way into it. He's bought in. Yeah. But it was um, it was special, man. And listen, all all storytelling and funny anecdotes aside, I owe so much to Alice, man. He that opportunity became way more than what I could have ever predicted. Um, it was rocket fuel for my confidence, Casio. You know, Alice has had a plethora of first class guitar players in his band throughout his career. And he just he loved my playing. He loved my whole vibe and whatever I, I brought. And um you know, man, he's just a role model in how to live. You know, he takes care of business with his music. He takes care of business with his family. He's always great with the fans. He, the answer is always yes. He's never, he's never above anything, man. He's, he's so down to earth. And, and, you know, he just, he taught us all, man, look, these, these people, these fans that hang around after the show, they're the ones that have given us this life. We wouldn't have this life if it weren't for them. Don't ever forget that. So, you know, what a. That's great. What a, to hear what a words of wisdom like that, man.
Yeah, man. Well, you you know a guy, uh, being from Alabama, I've told this story before, um, but a comedian, Mickey Dean. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Mickey got me into stand-up, and he kept pushing me to go to clubs and do open mics, and I, I would never do it. And he finally, he signed me up for an open mic night. Uh, but later down the road, I featured for him one time at the Stardome, and it was a Friday night, and it was when they first changed the Iron Bowl to a Friday. Do you remember when they started doing that? Yes. Wow. Uh, and they tried it for a little bit. Well, we had a show that night, and you, the Stardome in Birmingham, if anybody's never been, it's, it's over 400 people. It's one of the greatest comedy clubs in America. Me and Mickey Dean are there, and there's probably 50 people. Uh, because it's, it's iron bowl. I mean, it's a holiday. Right. right. And I was super bummed and 50 people in a tiny room. You know how it is with the venue in a tiny room, you're rock and rolling. If it seats 400 and there's 50, it looks awful. And back in that green room, Mickey Dean, a close to the same thing you're talking about. I was bitching about the crowd and how tonight's going to suck. And he said, these 50 people, you'll get more fans from this show than you will if it was sold out because they came to see comedy. And it's like you said, those guys hanging out wherever the venue is, they're paying to see rock and roll. They're hanging out. They're wanting to meet their idols or whatever it is. And I learned more from that night of every show is a show and the fans are why you are there. That's a great story, man. That's a great story. And to that opening, it is eye opening brother. And to your point, I wouldn't have the career I do now as a solo artist had it not been for Alice. I, d- I don't think I would have ever taken this path, you know, other than just playing in the bars around Birmingham. I, don't, right. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have moved Still doing to that. music, but not as, Hey, I'm David yeah. Johnson. Yeah. You know, he, he really said, look, man, you have special skills. All you got to do is focus get you a team together. And you know what that means. It's not just a band. It's some infrastructure, man, the right manager, the right agent, have a plan, but you know, your music, you've already got this catalog of great material from brother Kane. Those are your songs. You wrote them, you sang them. You can sing those the rest of your life. He goes, look at me, man. I've been singing schools out for (laughs) fucking 50 years. And we're still going this. Come on. I want to hear it again. (laughs) How much is the ticket? I want to hear you sing it again. I mean, that's amazing. Well, yeah, man. And, and, you know, he's, he and his wife, Cheryl are like, you know, royalty, rock and roll royalty, like the, the poster couple of, of rock of all time. So, you know, it's again, man, just so great to, to have that learning experience and, and, and have them as friends. And, you know, they're, they're like family to us. My, my two youngest kids, they grew up backstage at Alice Cooper shows, man. They, he's uncle Alice to them. It's, it's crazy, awesome. Man. Yeah. Did you, yeah. did you hate snakes going in? Or did you like them or what? Woo, dude, I got a story about that. Oh God. Are you ready? Cause we so, used to have a snake. I mean, my wife, like I say this, my wife had a snake and I, I'm not a fan, but yeah, I'm not a fan. As you know, with ladies, it's undefeated. So I had to have a snake in my house. That's right. Well, you're you're a wise man. I'm I'm fascinated by snakes. As long as I know I'm about to see a snake, I'm great with that. I just get mortified if I walk up on one in the woods or on the on the side of the road or whatever. (laughs) So I get the call from Alice. I got the gig. 
I go back to LA. We have three days of rehearsals because we're about to start this tour. Just three days. Just three days. Well, I had done a lot of homework, man. They could tell. Right. They're like, man, this guy's got it together. So we're going to rehearse for three days. And they got all these cues, you know, hey, man, so between, uh, you know, between Poison and Ballad of Dwight Fry, don't stand here because Alice is going to come out in a straitjacket. And then between mm -hmm. I Love between I Love the Dead and School's Out, don't be here because the guillotine is going to come out. So, you know, all these props and moves, I've never had any experience like that. It was exciting. So we do that first show. We're playing up in New Jersey, this big venue. And man, there's like eight spotlights. And we play this song, uh, one of his classic songs called Is It My Body? And it's got this really slinky guitar riff that I play the opening to. So I walk up to the front of the stage, dude, and I'm playing this riff. I got all these lights on me. It's just me. Place is going crazy. And then I feel Alice coming up to my right side out of the shadows. He's going to start singing that first verse. Well, what I didn't know, man, he's got that damn boa constrictor all wrapped around him. He comes up and puts his arm on my shoulder. And that snake is like this, you know, <laughs> looking at me. Dude, I am shitting myself. I can't, I can't stop. I can't move. I got to keep playing the song. And, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't know. He right. doesn't know it's freaking me out. But nobody told me. And I, and I could not get out of that spot, man, fast enough. And, I mean, dude, I just about had a stroke. Because, you know. Nobody had said, oh, here's the snake. You need right. to meet the snake. Or the we snake is in the straitjacket queue. We didn't get a snake. Uh, yeah. I knew about the dead babies and the guillotine and the straitjacket. <laughs> no snakes. So uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, I, uh, my, my wife, she had to work out of town right before quarantine. They, her job sent her to New Orleans for a little bit. And so she was like, hey, you, there's no way around it. You're going to have to take care of the snake. And I was like. It was a python. You know pythons. I mean, that's why they're pets. They don't just attack. But I was like, can you 100% guarantee me that this snake will not bite? And she goes, well, no, I mean, that's not realistic. I mean, there's a 1% down. I was like, no, the snake will die. I'm not putting my hand there, a snake that will kill me. She, of course, again, it's undefeated. She was like, hey, I'm going to need you to really take care of it. So I tried for one week. One week, Damon. And it took its first shit, and I don't know if you've ever been around a snake. <laughs> it's like a human shit. And I was like, there's piss everywhere. There's mouse bones. And I was like, a, a man came in here and dumped in this area. And I called her. I was like, there's no, when you come back, you're taking the snake with you. On the road. I can't imagine oh. what that giant snake that Alice has. Uh, you're killing what, me. Did he just keep it on the bus? Yeah, man, he's got a he had a road case, you know, with these vented panels on the side so he would get air. And, you know, Alice's That's assistant amazing. would take it into the hotel room, put it in the bathtub and drop a couple of mice in there. The snake gets to eat. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> hey, Casio, let me tell you something, dude. My phone keeps giving me a, a what do you call it? A notification. I think my damn battery is getting low. What, what can what can I do, dude? Because I got Where's, I got. You need to plug in. Well, 
I need to plug in, but here's the problem. I got these killer, like, uh, these ear pods through my headphone. They're plugged into the phone. So walk one, away. I can feel time. Well, no, this is what I'm saying. Like, can I at least plug in this power cable? And then you t- tell me, tell me, tell me if it still sounds worth the shit. Hold on. Because you We're said you could this happen. We're going to make it said, happen. You said you could edit this, right? Yeah, but I'm going to leave this in because this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rockstar, dude. We're adapting. Hey, dude, Rockstar's had has had many interviews today. So uh, I think I've let my phone. All right, here we go. Let's try this. Tell me if this works. All right. Okay. Hold tight. We're doing one plug. We're doing another plug. Okay, We're talking we to Damon Johnson. Can you hear me still? Yeah. Is it is it good? Yeah. It's not it's not as good, but it's not it's not like you're on your phone. Okay, so we can we can make this Wait, work. Put your ear back up. How's that? Because I think the microphone's on it, so I think you're great. Yeah. See, but but I don't I don't think this even has anything to do with it. How's that? Is oh yeah, still no, it the sounds the same. Yeah. Well, what I'll have to do, dude, I'll just lean. <laughs> I'm going to lean into my phone. To hear it? Well, I can hear you fine. I just want you to be able to hear me fine. Oh, no, you're perfect. Okay. Don't let this. Yeah, be normal. This is, okay. this is perfect. <laughs> okay. Wait, take the. Uh, now you look uncomfortable. You've got. You, oh, yeah. Like you I know. Brace on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. I live in a. I live in a perpetual state of headphones on my head or around my neck. Wait, so does the headphones help you hear? Yeah, see, I have I have these little pods plugged in. I had oh, okay. I had essentially those headphones plugged in to the phone to the little oh, you're speaker good. jack. You're good. Okay, man. You sound just All as right. you're, we're rocking and rolling. Okay, good. Now I feel like you're loose. You're not constricted. <laughs> <laughs> you're a rock star. All right, man. All where, right. where, where were we? You were. Uh, all right. Here's man. where. Here's where on the timeline, you're jumping to Thin Lizzy, which is absolutely amazing. So, tell me how this forms. You're on the road. You've did a handful of tours with Alice, and and how are we getting from there to Thin Lizzy? What's happening? What's the transition? So, in 2011, there was a show where Alice Cooper open for Def Leppard. Okay. In of all places, Dublin, Ireland. The third act on the bill that night was Thin Lizzy. Okay. I was elated. You know, big fan. Man, when we would do sound checks for Alice Cooper gigs, me and the band, we would play Thin Lizzy songs. You know, that's how much we Okay. We all love Thin Lizzy. So the guitar player with Scott Gorham in Thin Lizzy at that time was the great Richard Fortas, who plays yeah. beside Slash in Guns N' Roses. Guns was off the road. Richard was playing in Thin Lizzy. That night, Richard told someone in the Alice Cooper camp that he was about to have to go back to Guns N' Roses. And that person said, Damon Johnson knows those Thin Lizzy songs better than anybody. Somebody in the Alice camp told him that? 
Yeah. Wow. So like three days later, this is all kind of, I guess, destiny in a way, Casio. Three days later, we go to Finland and we're opening for Iron Maiden at the soccer stadium. Jeez Louise. And it turns out all the Thin Lizzy guys are in town for the night off. They're friends with Iron Maiden. They come out to the show. So the timing of all of that could not have been better scripted. And because they saw me play and they were like, well, hey, we could get this guy. And um, so about, I don't know, it was two or three weeks later, we had come back home and I got a call from Thin Lizzy management. And I said, listen, man, this would be one of the greatest thrills of my life. But, you know, I'm in the middle of a tour with Alice Cooper and he's going to go to Australia and it's going to put them in a bind. And uh, I'll never forget, man, that night at dinner, my wife said, you're crazy. You can't turn down this thin Lizzy thing. She goes, that's all you've ever talked about since I met you, you know, in the, in the nineties. Um, she said, Alice has had 30 guitar players, Damon, he'll be just fine. And he loves you. And, and, you know, so when she said that, I was kind of like, wow, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. So I called the thin Lizzy manager back. I said, I'm in. My next call was Alice Cooper. Alice was amazing, Casio. Oh, really? It was great. Yeah. He said, he said, man, good for you. He goes, you know, when you're on my radio show or whenever we talk about music on the bus or on the golf course, there's no band you talk about more than Thin Lizzy. So that's um, great, man. Usually, again, usually man, people just, are, you know, hey, like you said, they could have been in a spot, but he learned, he, you know, he's been doing it for so long. Let's adapt and move on and knows how big of a, how big of a thing it is for you personally. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have scripted all of this, man. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just kind of where life has taken me. It's where, you know, the path that I've just happened to take. And um, I'm just, I'm really still humbled by the whole thing, man, because again, I feel like I'm at the best place I've ever been right now. And I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't have this resume of all of this stuff. Split the dark, Brother Kane. Sammy Hagar, John Waite, Alice Cooper, Thin Lizzy. And then um, Black Star, which was amazing as well. Black Star Riders. What a, what a great band. And, you know, that was even a next level experience for me as a creative person to write songs and then go in the studio with my hero, Scott Gorham, you know, and us, us work up all these harmony guitar parts together just like he did with Brian Robertson or Gary Moore in Thin Lizzy. It's like amazing. <laughs> so you've, uh, you've did all this. And like you said, we've got to this awesome place where you're at now. You're jamming Damon Johnson and the get ready. Uh, brand new album is out. Like you said, um, Huntsville coming up. If everybody is listening to this live, which is uh, Tuesday, the 22nd. You got a show coming up in Huntsville, and we were talking kind of off air. This is that Huntsville show is kind of kicking things off for you. I mean, you play gigs, but this is kind of hey, let's start rocking and rolling and getting this out there. Yeah, man, I feel like this is kind of the 
official opening night of the Damon Johnson and the Get Ready Battle Lessons 2021 <laughs> tour. Um, yeah, man, Huntsville is just so special for me. I've seen, I saw so many shows there in my youth. I played so many shows there as I was growing as a musician myself. Met some great musicians there, met some great fans there. So uh, Huntsville holds a special place for me, Cassio. I got to give a shout out to my main songwriting collaborator these days, Johnny Blade, Jim yeah. Johnny Blade Troglin. Uh, Such a good dude, he, man. He's a Huntsville man, and uh, he and his wife and kids are, they're like family to us. So, uh, yeah, man, he and I co-wrote, uh, we co-wrote seven of the nine songs on the new record, as well as the bulk of my previous solo record that I came out with two years ago, Memoirs of an Uprising. So, Man, those two records are chock full of great material. And of course, over the course of the night, we play some of that. We play some Brother Kane and some other surprises. So uh, what uh, what is it like? Because I've talked to a couple other bands. I've talked to, uh, I just talked to Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and a couple other dudes. And, and they were talking about these songs that were put together over, you know, during the pandemic. And usually if you're a band or musician and you're out there touring, you know, we've all been to the concerts and they go, hey, we got a new one. It's not out yet. I want to see what you guys think about it. And you kind of get like instant on air, you know, on stage feedback, a little bit of, hey, we're getting this under our belt. Uh, and they were talking about how it's been a long time since you go, and hey, we have a whole, almost a whole show of new material that we have zero concept of how the crowd's going to react, what songs are hitting with, you know, I'm sure you release, you know, when you're releasing albums now, it's like we've talked about earlier, radio's changed a little bit. There's so much ways, you know, streaming is it's just out there now. And so you don't know what songs are hitting with people. This has got to be kind of almost another, I mean, I know you're excited to get out there, but another level of excitement of, ooh, and maybe, I don't know, nerves, whatever word you want to call it, of these are brand new and we're, we're pumping these out in front of people. That's, that's a great point, Cassio. And just a couple of shows that we were able to do last month, we were able to tap into some of that feedback, which is so important. Uh, it's so fulfilling. Uh, you were spot on with how you said that. We do have all these new songs. We're not really sure, you know, what translates from the stage as well as it does in the studio. And I remember a couple of songs in particular that we played last month uh, in Nashville and we did a couple shows in Illinois and me turning to the guys in the band, like, hell yeah, this, <laughs> you know, this song right here, we're going to play this every night right. you know, the, on, on all the tour dates this year. So uh, there's nothing, nothing like interacting with, with the fans, with the audience. Um, you know, music is a communal experience. You know that as well as anybody. And, uh, I'm really proud of the things that we did during the pandemic. We did do a half a dozen live streams and, you know, those were fulfilling in their own way. They were fun. Again, no substitute for being in the room with people. Has uh, anything changed? Will you take anything from the pandemic? Has anything changed your approach or, or you know, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe we're going to start doing this a little bit more or doing this different or we start, you know, everything's changed now. We've, 
now everybody gets food delivered. Now everybody, you know, hey, we realize we can do our jobs at home, a lot of people. And so have you, was there anything you go, you know what, this is kind of going to be a model in the future a little bit? Well, you're going to laugh. I mean, the <laughs> thing, the thing that the pandemic really brought back front and center for me, believe it or not, is golf. Okay. When I, when I left the Alice Cooper band to join Thin Lizzy, Alice goes, Damon, you know, we love you. Uh, you've been so great and you've been a great fit for my band. You're, you're one of my favorite players. You're going to have a great time with Thin Lizzy, but you are going to miss golf. <laughs> and dude, let me tell you something. I could never have predicted how prophetic those words were. I mean, I went from playing golf on the road like five or six times a week. I'm not exaggerating to zero. <laughs> no <And> golf. <laughs> no, Thin Lizzy, you know, not the golfers, huh? No, I mean, Scott plays, <laughs> but man, he wants to sleep till one or two o'clock. Sure. And you can't do that on show days. And, you know, it's all, it was just a mess. So, man, I just... You know, I'd play four or five times a year, just go out and have some fun with my friends, whatever. Well, man, during the pandemic, it literally became like nourishment to be able to get out of the house. One of the few things you could do safely is go get on a golf course right. and be outdoors. You know, we would all walk. We, would, we wouldn't ride in the cart together. So, man, I started playing nine holes of golf with uh, – some of my friends here in Nashville, Chuck Garrett from the Alice Cooper band. Yeah. Um, my drummer, Jared Pope, who is almost a scratch golfer, man, that guy should be on the tour, but uh, a bonus new friend and golf partner is a guy named Patrick Carney. Who's the drummer with the black keys. Yeah. Patrick lives just down the street from me, Cassio. And we met on the golf course, man. And, uh, you know, he has just started playing during the pandemic. And uh, so, you know, it's just been really great for us. And now I, I, I'm playing, you know, I, yesterday was Father's Day, man. I played with my two sons. and That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go later this week and, uh, and play with Jared and with Chuck. So, uh, so we encourage I, I, everybody, not only stream the music, buy the music, and go see the tour, but if you see Damon Johnson coming to your city, invite him out for golf. Let's tee it up, folks. <laughs> you tell me, tell me what time to be there. I'll you bring gotta go to the ledges. You ball. going to the ledges when you're in Huntsville? <laughs> I gotta get you around when you're down here, dude. Man, I Man, uh, it's awesome. thank you, dude. I'm excited. I'm always a fan of any anytime I see new music from Damon Johnson and see the name coming around. Always been a fan. It's been a pleasure to hang out with you and get to know you as a person as well. And uh, I actually, like, we have a running joke. Uh, people that know the podcast know Jimbo as well. We have a running saying on our show that your band ain't shit unless you've played with Damon Johnson, Dave Anderson, or Dave Grohl, because y'all have sat in with everybody. Everybody on the planet has sat in with one of you three. I can guarantee it. I actually name-dropped you one time way back just because I'd met you, what, twice at Rick and Bubba. But when I moved to L.A., I met the dudes uh, that played in Lit. Do you remember Lit? 
Of course. Yeah. And I was backstage at, it was Firehouse, Warrant, and uh, I think Skid Row. And we were at House of Blues in Anaheim. And uh, he was back there and uh, the libations were flowing. And I was like, man, you look familiar. And he started giggling, of course, and told me who he was. And I, he was like, where are you from? I'm like, Alabama. And he was like, you know, Damon Johnson. I'm like, we're fucking boys, man. We're boys. And there he was like, he's with Alice, man. I, I was like, yeah, dude. So you are a bona fide rock star of all rock stars. Yeah, listen, man. Thank you. Thank you for everything. And I <laughs> thank you for that story, by the way. That's awesome. You know, man, you and I are we go way back, you know. I've I was I, late I, 90s. I remember I can't I'd believe always you. See you did meet me as a kid. Yeah, man. I would see your smiling face every time I'd show up at at Rick and Bubba's. And Somebody's got to let you in the building. That's right, man. And uh, you know how I feel about Jimbo. Dude, Jimbo Legend. and I go back as long as anyone I've ever met in this business. We met when I was in Split the Dark. and um, we, played your, we played the audio. We found the tapes of when you came in the Panama City Beach studio when he was doing a guest spot down there. It's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. He's, he sent me that, man. It's so great. <laughs> it's classic, man. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're living your life and you do things like that. And you just don't stop and go, hey, man, these might be people that I'm going to be able to be in touch with for right. 30 years, man. 25, yeah. 30 years. And uh, it's been a great run, brother. And I hope that uh, I hope that you and I get to do more of this and get to see each other more and more over the decades to come. Um, I'll tell you, I'm I'm over 100 episodes in. I, I'm and I mean this. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I don't need to. One of my favorite episodes I've ever done. Oh, uh, brother! And I feel like because I've heard other stories that we've told hanging out, you've got a hundred more stories that you could ever tell. So, <laughs> promise me at some point you'll come back on again. And we'll, we'll, we'll Dude, I again. would be honored. I would be honored. Okay. And listen, I'll charge my battery next time all the way so I can. <laughs> You sound great. You sound great. I feel like you're free without the headphones. We can see the rock star locks. It's good now. I love it, man. Well, Casio. Right. Tell them where they can Let find the music. Tell them where they can find the tour. Everything. Thank you, brother. DamonJohnson.com has everything. You can go to my website. All the social media links are on there. All the tour dates are there. You can order the new, uh, the new album on CD. I literally, brother, I'm overjoyed today. I just got an email that they finally got the fucking test pressing for the vinyl finished. Oh, buddy, you can't, you can't, oh, you can kind of see over my shoulder. I got hundreds back here. I'm going to need one. Well, I'm, I'm calling a favor for that. Okay. Hey, I'm going to hook you up. Dude, this vinyl situation has been a dumpster fire. It's <laughs> just been a mess. So this is a good, good hey, day. Is this, is this back from, because I remember seeing your social media posts when all kind of shit went sour. Yeah, man, this, from that? Yeah, my record has been out since February. Oh, the, yeah, that was, that was a whole deal. Yeah, yeah. Everything, I the, I got a test pressing back in March, and it was it was wrong. It was jacked up, so we had to start over. And you can see now it's the middle of June, toward the end of oh. June. So, um, so we're close. We're, we're really close. I got a vinyl record with your name on it, dude. I, Look, you, 
I'm not exaggerating. I got when you came the first time to Rick and Bubba in Gadsden, Alabama. You signed. Uh, I got you to sign a, uh, an album for my mom, and she thought, "Well, my son has made it. He got a Damon Johnson autograph." <laughs> I mean, I, I scored so many points. So if I, when we get vinyl, and I'm going to say it straight from you, we're rocking and rolling, dude. Well, two things. I'm going to let you go. Tell your mom hello for me. <laughs> well, usually when somebody says that, it's awful. <laughs> oh no, I love it. Tell also, your mom I said. Hey. Tell tell your mom that Damon Johnson, Alabama homeboy, rock and roll guy, I'm playing a festival in Fort Payne oh. in September, and I'm playing another festival in Gadsden in October. What what's we go? What's Gadsden? Riverfest? They haven't announced the name they of it. They got a new yet. one? Yeah, it's a brand new festival. But Are I you even allowed to mention that on here? We just did. I just did. Well, 13 people listen, Damon, so you're good. Uh, <laughs> none of them in Gadsden besides my mom. So you're, hey, good. dude, well, those 13 people need to come to Fort Payne in September, <laughs> Gadsden in October. But, uh, hey, brother, listen, let me know when this is up. I want to share it with my people. I want them to hear this, dude. This is it's great. up now. It's up rock and roll, and I'll tag you and everything. We will rock and roll, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cassio. Hey. Maybe I'll see you this weekend. Fingers crossed. Come on. Come on. Wait, tell everybody. Uh, it's at Sidetracks, right? Sidetracks, Music Hall, Saturday night, June 26th. My, favorite, my favorite venue in Huntsville. It's where all Love the good those people. And Shane happen. and everybody over there are great. Oh, Shane's amazing. Uh, doors are at 7. There's an opener on, I think, at 8. We're on right after that. And uh, we're going to make a joyful noise. It's going to be awesome. If they come tell you they heard it on the podcast where you shake their hand and take a picture with them? Hey, dude, I'll, uh, I'll give them a, some ice water and tell you that. <laughs> All right, my man. Thank you so much. Damon Johnson. Go to DamonJohnson.com. Find out when he's coming to your city. Get the music supported. It's badass, straight up rock and roll. Thank you, my friend. It's always been a pleasure. Everybody else, stay mashed. We'll talk to you next week. You're the best, Cassio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.